All right, Fierce Parenting fans, we have got a treat for you today, an absolute treat. We have Sean and Abby Halberstadt on with us uh, to talk a little bit about her new book that she just released. It's called M is for Mama, A Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood. Uh, they are, I will show you if you are a YouTuber, you can see the cover of there the book. There it is. Uh, if you're listening, go look for it. It's teal, hardback, awesome. She is, they are parents of 10, uh, two sets of twins in there. Uh, yeah. And aside from that, I will say this, we don't actually do a lot of book yeah, promos. Uh, promos. Nope. Other than the stuff that we write, of course. <laughs> it's our channel. Do it once. And so no. this book is, I'm watching you go through this book and almost nightly for the last three or four weeks, you come to me and you're like, you gotta, you gotta hear this. Guys, it's probably one of my top five. Like the, wow. the truth that she delineates the lines between the cultural narrative and the struggles of things like self-care versus soul care mm. and how to have the right godly attitude. She just lays it out. She's super clear. I love it. I can't wait wow. to share uh, have shared this conversation with you guys and the book. I was like, oh, I'll get the book. I'll read it and we'll talk about it. Guys, I can't get through it fast enough, but I also like you can't, it's not something that you just zoom through. Plow like through, yeah. you, you read it, you digest it, you write notes in it. Anyways, we are excited to have both of them on today and we hope that this conversation blesses you as much as it blesses us. All right, Fierce Parenting fans, listeners, all the people, we have the blessed opportunity to interview Sean and Abby Halberstadt. Hey, hey welcome, guys. guys. Welcome. <laughs> hey, thanks for having us. Yes. So grateful you're here. Uh, I think we we're supposed to interview you guys last week, but she was releasing her book and having a big party. This, her book is called M is for Mama. Uh, just released when? Uh, was it February? March? February 1st. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood from a <clears throat> Bible-believing mother of 10. So we're going to talk about this book today, but I will say this. As a husband, watching my wife read this book, uh, I, it's been a long time. Like, Selena's a reader. She reads a lot of books. and But this is the one that you've been reading, and it's almost nightly. Or it, it, <laughs> she'll come to me, and she'll be like, you got You just got to hear this. You just, <laughs> just so listen. Good. And she'll read an excerpt from the book, <laughs> and we'll talk about it. Yes. And so we're, I know Selena's thankful, but I'm also thankful um, just that you're, you're, proclaiming truth you're dispelling lies i love the, i mean i'll let you yeah. get into it with the interview but well done on the book we can't wait to talk about it today and so. you know it's a team effort writing books is yeah absolutely team effort yes. yes so i guess quick recap on how you guys met yeah so we yeah we, we did do an interview on the fierce marriage side yeah, if you're I know how you want listening to or watching on the fierce parenting side um but we can do a quick recap on that we talk about you as a couple uh, in much more detail, but today, but on this one, we're focusing on how they're parents. parenting. <laughs> so maybe just do a quick 30 second recap on how did you guys meet and uh, how many kids do you have and why? <laughs> <laughs> so we met at a um, church volleyball uh, game, kind of just cross paths. And I was doing all of the event coordinating for our 20 somethings group and started sending out emails. Couldn't write a straight email to save my life. Had to like throw <laughs> inside jokes and goofy stuff in there. And apparently that was his jam. So he <laughs> yes. started emailing back and, um, he wasn't even a believer at the time. So when he got saved in January, we started dating at the end of January. I tried to run him off by saying, I'm having as many kids as the Lord could give me. 
and was thinking like maybe six kids max because that was somehow this giant number and he basically came so back with bring it on eight sounds good <laughs> <laughs> match made in heaven and uh, yeah we, we ended up having ten so we we were both wrong weight shot way too low <laughs> you had some bonus kids in there as I remember that's right that's right we have a couple set of sets of identical twins um, and they're all born on the same day my goodness which geeks everybody out one set of identical twin girls and identical twin boys um, and so that's just a special double blessing, especially for this girl who said she would have any of the kids that the Lord gave her as long as he gave them to her one at a time. So I wasn't as surrendered as I thought, apparently, but he said, okay, here's your twin and here's your next twin. And I'm so grateful that he didn't listen to that goofy prayer of mine. Wow. Oh, such a truth. Well, we're glad you guys had 10 kids because I'm sure there's been a lot of wisdom, a lot of, uh, sanctification happening in that time of parenting <laughs> uh, a lot of building of your marriage and yourselves the lord is good and gracious to grow us Just so i'm aware how, how what are the age what's the age range of your children so i can calibrate here a little bit sure so we almost have a driver he's gonna be 16 in okay. may uh down to the youngest set of twins they're one year old one year old uh, okay so and Wonderful. spread pretty evenly in, in between yeah about two years apart on average nice well done okay. Well done. Awesome. Yeah. So I posted about your book when I first got it <laughs> and was posting about how moms are such, I don't know. I just love the eternal work of motherhood. And I think I posted something about how like, <laughs> I don't even know. Well, Somebody was hating on motherhood and I was like, I got to address this. And then I posted this and they were like, you're, you're shaming these moms. I'm like, like you're shaming oh, me. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> it was, it was only one friend. And I was like, you know what? God loves you anyways. And I'll pray for you, but you should really get this book and you should read it. <laughs> How'd that go for you? <laughs> uh, we don't message more on Instagram. It's fine. Oh. It's fine. The internet, you know, it's so good. It's a weird place. Yes, it yeah. is. Such it a is. tool. Such a tool. But I will say it is very, I think, gosh, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It is. It's cutting through um, what the cultural narrative is about children, uh, mm. and I believe what the Bible says about children and our attitudes and our heart orientation towards parenting. Uh, how our kids are not just commodities, but they are blessings from the Lord, and are we stewarding them well? I mean, I've been so convicted, and so mm. uh, I, too, feel very righteous many times, and I've been like, oh, man, she just nailed me real good on that one. <laughs> well, it's because I was nailing myself. I mean, seriously, I say that I'm always, I always say that I'm preaching to my own heart because these are universal truths from scripture. These are not Abbey truths or like, this just is what we know because we're so good and we have 10 kids. None of that. Like every bit of what I wanted to do with this was either poured into me from my own mother and parents or from godly women or from time spent in God's word and the Holy Spirit convicting me over and over again that these were solid biblical foundational truths that every mother and father honestly because you're not the only one reading to your husband there are a whole lot of mamas who either have had their husbands read the whole thing and are going through it together and doing the things that all the chapter inch of chapter resources or they're having nightly discussions and recapping um it's been really fun to see how it's become not just a motherhood tool but a parenting and family mm. tool absolutely it's revolutionary um, so we kind of touched on roles in the other, in the fierce marriage, uh, episode, but we kind of wanted to ask you guys, Sean is head of the household. What kind of roles and responsibilities are kind of reserved for you? How do you guys kind of divide up that, that labor of parenthood? Uh, yeah, let's just start there. Sure. So, uh, I would say, um, kind of a key thing as, um, 
the husband uh, is to identify those, say, circumstantial versus universal truths. Uh, the universal truths, uh, you got to be firm on. The circumstantial truths, uh, you know, you, you read the word, you pray about it, and the answer is going to be different for each person, uh, depending on their personalities, their strengths, their weaknesses, their circumstances. And so I'm, I'm the primary one that needs to be making sure that uh, we are applying God's word and uh, his guiding in our lives as a family and uh, uh, separating, you know, not harping on those, uh, those truths. Those are not the ones that I am uh, firm and it's this way or nothing. Uh, I need to be uh, sensitive to, uh, you know, my wife, uh, my kids, uh, our circumstances. He does a really good job. You know, it talks about how an elder should not be someone that frustrates their children. Sean is not someone that frustrates his children. He communicates truth, but he does it in a loving and kind and open-eared way. And I absolutely love that about him. Yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you think you have, this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, and you're trying to, to, to go that direction. And if it's causing strife in your family, you know, if it's not, if it's a circumstantial truth, then you need to reevaluate that, you know, uh, this is, this is probably not the way I'm heading, uh, being led. If it's causing all these problems, I'm probably being, you know, trying to get my own way instead. So, so that we don't sound wishy-washy, what's your example of a circumstantial truth? <laughs> uh, so for us, you know, homeschooling would be a circumstantial truth. I don't believe that's something that everybody should do. Uh, you know, the way our culture is going, I think more and more often it maybe is the way a family should go, depending on their circumstances. But not every family needs to do that. Right. Um, We're not over here saying that if, unless you homeschool, you can't have a godly family and you can't have a Christ-centered home. And he's right. That, that is not... Um, laid out in scripture that when it tells you in Deuteronomy 6 to walk in the way and teach your children as you lie down, as you stand up, as you, all those things that you have to do that through homeschooling, that is something that the Lord has revealed to us and that he has um, not come from. I, I'm, I was homeschooled myself. He didn't come from that. And initially, I'm not sure that he, um, you know, like, had the vision necessarily, but he was willing to say, you have the experience with this, we'll, we'll watch it and see how it goes. And the more he has watched it and the more he has seen how it goes, the more support he's given and the more he's become convinced that for our family, this is what works and he supports me all the way and is the bedrock of that. Amen. Yeah. Love that. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause <clears throat> we've been teasing out the idea of like, can, do we have a biblical imperative around around educating our kids in a certain way. And I think we kind of land, we have place. biblical imperatives that are non-negotiable. Like we need to disciple our kids. We need to raise them mm -hmm. up in the things of God. They, we need to show them and disciple them. Uh, and then the question always for us is, what, that's a worldview that you're creating. And at, at what point does the worldview detach from education and how integrated are those two things? Mm. And so I, th I love hearing you articulate that you have kind of the, the hard and fast, like non-negotiables, but then there are things where we need to be head on a swivel, ears wide open, listening and discerning in real mm -hmm. time. And that doesn't mean you're being wishy-washy. It means that you're discerning the lay of the land and trying mm -hmm. to live faithfully in light of that. Yeah. I love it. I love that. I didn't have anything else. Oh, before, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so after parenting here, we have three tenants. Oh, hopefully I can remember them. They're not hard, but I don't have a great memory. Uh, 
The first one is children are a blessing. Yep. Uh, the second one is family is God's idea. Family is God's idea, and the third one is all parenting is discipleship. Uh, so we want to just kind of ask you guys about how do you disciple your children? Yeah, how do you disciple all ten children? Because <laughs> I know that you know as a one year old, maybe it's a little different than the fifteen year old. But do you, is that something? I know you do the family worship time or morning prayer around breakfast time. But is discipleship something you do individually as well? How do you manage the discipleship as a whole for your family? So uh, we are firm believers that uh, you disciple your children through example in a large way. Uh, So we include our kids in our tasks. You know, the things that we do as, you know, the husband, as the wife, um, and, and the way we interact with our spouse and the way we interact with uh, the people we come in contact, uh, in, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we want our children to uh, be participants in that, to, to witness us uh, doing that. Um, and, you know, we don't always do it right. <laughs> and when we fail, seeing how we, uh, you know, uh, resolve that conflict, offer uh, an apology, offer forgiveness, uh, whether we get that apology or not. Right, and um, I think that... One thing that we need to remember is that this concept of one-on-one is fairly new. So the historical model of family has been doing things together, um, being out in the field together, learning to bake bread together. And there's going to naturally within that order be an organic division of labor um, as well as tasks and learned things. So welcoming our children welcoming our children into our daily grind and um, showing them that they have value in contributing to it is part of discipling um, and so now I think we kind of have this concept perhaps because of how com- compartmentalized our time is with work and extracurricular activities and homework and all the things that come along with kind of the super fast-paced western idea of how our life should run at this point that it edges out that communal natural ebb and flow of the babies are down for a nap so they're not here for this lesson and when they're up they're playing at my feet and then when the younger kids go to bed earlier than the older kids then we have more time with the older kids to discuss deeper things with them or play a game with them that we can't play when the babies are around so yes we're intentional but i think there is a lot of just natural organic stuff that comes from spending lots and lots of time together that um that we've kind of lost the art of in the way we live our lives. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disciple your children if you're only with them for one hour in the evening before, you know, after they're done with their homework and before they go to bed. Yeah, it does. Um, the math doesn't work. It doesn't. And I think that's our question. And we've been trying to mull out a podcast episode on, on home education, which we will at some point. But yeah, I mean, it comes down to discipleship, how long and how much time mm-hmm. and how... Yeah, that was our first. He, we, so neither of us were homeschooled. His mom was a school administrator. We went to a Christian school, and that's where he met and everything. Um, but he was the one that I was actually like, I think we should homeschool. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't. What? It's like does not compute because you know there's just that natural cultural progression of oh they're in kindergarten now and you say goodbye even though your mom heartstrings everything inside of you is like I don't feel like that's right. This kid, this person that I don't know gets to spend eight hours with my child and yeah, all of that. And so. He was really, he was just, he just led that charge. And I'm so grateful that he did. And I wasn't like, you know, dragging my feet into it. I just felt like there was a lot for me to learn 
um, and manage on how to do it, but it definitely feels like a reclaiming of education as well. But yeah, well, it's just, it's really brought to life uh, this idea of the economies of the home mm-hmm. for us. So the fact that the home, the household is actually a, a little economic unit and it doesn't just mean like you're all working in the field, so to speak together, but it is, there are economies that happen at in the household mm-hmm. that are unique to the family structure. And that's not just the nuclear home, but like the inter- intergenerational home, you know, mm-hmm. grandparents and cousins. And, 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 and that's just such a, our Western culture is missing a lot of that. And yeah. so uh, to me, homeschool has been such, and I don't mean to go too far into that sure. side of it, but it's been such a eye opener for just the fact that, yeah, now we, like, why wouldn't we do this? We can spend all this time with our children, discipling them. Mm-hmm as opposed to just carting them around and being chauffeurs. Anyway, I don't want to, I'm not trying to subtext anyone through that, but um, it's interesting. So, so that, I love that. This idea that discipleship happens naturally. There's an intentional component of it, but then there's just the fact that you're living life with your kids right there, whether they're at your feet or, you know, so in light of that, so you mentioned you have maybe the babies playing at your feet and you have the 15 year old and you know, the, the older kids that you're doing school. And then at night, one of the things that we were wondering about is how do you maintain a peaceful home? Okay, because there are times when young kids are just going to do young kids stuff, right? They're going to cry, they're going to fuss. Young gonna kids, whine. people, kids, we all <laughs> yes. fight and do all the things. Your husband's just going to do husband stuff. He's just going to whine. And fight. <laughs> no, but what um, I, what strategies? I mean, I, this, I don't. Well, I want to say this is chapter thirteen in her book, and okay. it was one that really struck me because I think we do. Most families, most parents desire peace in their home. I mean, that's a that's a big component. The world is so chaotic outside of it. So, uh, I felt like you were you guys were good people to ask with as many children as you have. How do you maintain a peaceful home? How do you decipher between, uh, you know, the bickering, the underlying conflict? Um, how do you cultivate that thankfulness and all of that? I think one of the one of the first things, uh, and this was uh, a big thing of of hers uh, more than mine from my background. Uh, initially that I'm very grateful for is limiting the examples of snarky bad behavior in the house. In other words, if there's a TV show that's maybe not objectionable in other ways, but the kids are snarky and, and crude, uh-uh, not going to happen. You know, if it's a setting example of, the, you know, this cultural example that all kids fight, no, that's, that's, we don't adhere to that. <laughs> we don't believe that. Uh, kids are going to fight, but it's not inevitable that that's what rules your household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any, th- any kind of media that could portrays that as the norm um, is not going to be something we show on, in our home. Um, so, uh, you know, limiting those kind of things. Uh, and then, you know, our kids, like I said, they are going to fight. They are going to bicker, or at least they're going to try to. And so... We always make a point, and we have from the beginning, we stop that as soon as we can. As soon as it starts, it, we say, that is not allowed, uh, and we, we discuss with them you know, why it's not allowed, and uh, if, if, if they just can't quite get it, if they're just too emotionally wrapped up in something, then you, know, you redirect. You've got to change the scenery, change the activity, but don't let it continue, or they're going to be forming those habits. Well, and, and when we say that fighting is not an option in our home, we mean the kind of habitual strife 
where they default to it pretty much anytime there's any form of conflict. We do not mean that they can't make decisions for themselves. In fact, I, there are many, many times when I'll walk into a situation that's probably on the verge of escalating to an actual real conflict, and I'll say, you know, you have a choice. I can figure this out for you, or you can figure this out for you. It's good. <laughs> you know? And give them that look, that mom look, and they're like, we'll figure it out. We're good. He'll do the dishes. I'll do the floor. We're good. Like, great. Um, because they know part of my figuring out is probably going to involve working together to do chores or um, possibly losing a privilege depending on how far they want to take this. And um, I talk about this in the book, but my upstairs laundry room has this internal window. It's an interior room, but I wanted some light to get into it so I can hear from downstairs. And I can, we have something called the penny reward system, which we use to um, really encourage and acknowledge and praise our kids for especially kind actions, for looking for ways to be a blessing, for being particularly diligent, for being the first to hop up and say, I'll get the towel to clean up the mess, that kind of thing. And um, But they do lose pennies as well for bickering, for picking fights, for having a snarky tone, whatever, you know, for being lazy, dragging their feet, whatever. And um, you'll hear them, I'll hear them upstairs while I'm doing laundry and it's like, stop bickering or you're going to lose pennies. You're going to lose stay up night, which is what they, um, we have a stay up night on Saturday nights that they love to spend their pennies on because they get to stay up two hours with me and Sean doing activities. Um, so just kind of hearing them police themselves and know what the boundaries are. And I think that's the other thing. It's, um, it's this concept of starting as you mean to go on. You set up what the playing field looks like and what the rules for engagement are and where the boundaries, like you don't go out or you're out, you know, nobody wants to stay up with a contentious sibling on stay up night. So if you want to stay up, you're going to have to be fun to stay up with, you know? So some of these are just logical consequences. They make sense, but they're also, they're also biblical. Mm -hmm. Like Romans talks about as much as it is possible as much as you can control it, be at peace with all men. And it doesn't just mean men. It means your siblings and your spouse and your neighbors. So kind of when you're like, but, 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 he, he, he. Yeah, but what did you do? What did you do? Yeah, I mean, and then be at peace again. I mean, it, are you setting an example uh, of gentleness and kind speech with your spouse? You know, when if we have a season where, where there's some disconnect and, and we're, you know, uh, at each other's, uh, you know, button heads more than usual. Uh, they're going to pick up on that. What are we conveying? Yeah. And, what, what are we and, teaching? And you may start seeing it in them, and then it's all of a sudden, oh, that's my fault. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my on fault. Me. That's, that's just on a, me. That, they're just being mirrors at the moment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, one one of the things that we use always our, our example is, and you see it in Israel. You know, blessing for obedience and cursing for disobedience. <laughs> and I'll say that for the girls. I'll be like. All right, here's the lay of the land. Like, here's these boundaries. If you obey, it's going to go well with you. And if you disobey, it will not go well with you. And I'll give them that kind of that dad look. And they know that, and they can tell when I'm starting to. Yeah, they're still okay with a little bit more. some of the ambiguity of it all. They haven't necessarily meant, you know, what does that mean exactly? It's a little more compelling sometimes when you don't know exactly what it's yes. not going to go It's funny. And then you say, what happens if you disobey? And they'll say, cursing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's harsh Old Testament language. But, uh, I love it. I love it. A couple of fun questions to kind of close us out. What is your? What are each of your favorite parts of parenting? Uh, so I, I love um, kind of in 
building those lifelong memories uh, for the kids, whether it's uh, creating family traditions or a spontaneous outing or vacations, uh, just the ability to uh, do things with my kids that I know they're going to remember long into their life that's going to create that, that warm feeling of family when they look back on it. Uh, I cherish those kind of moments and I look forward to creating them for my kids. And he's really good at it. Um, I, my answer is the same, but the thing that pops into my mind immediately that I know that my kids, I know that my kids will remember me for because they talk about it now, and that is reading aloud to them. Um, and she's very good at it. She's she's got a gift for for. I mean, she read read her book. She did a beautiful job, and you should hear her read stories to our kids. Like she's got her voices are spot on. She hardly makes a you know misstep. It's, it's got it. all the accents. Got the Cockney accent, the Russian <laughs> accent. I love doing accents. So that to me, uh, Sarah McKenzie talks about this in her book Read Aloud Family. How it creates a culture in your family of shared literary like touch points um, and things that you remember dialogue that's repeatable inside jokes for your family and I do remember my own mom doing this for me and the books that she read to us over and over and how they impacted my life and how I loved being snuggled under her arm and I just have one brother um, so he was on one side I was on the other and so um, sometimes I've literally got you know like one in my lap one sitting on the chair this one up here the other one's at my feet and then you know the older kids are playing it cool actually the older kids are falling all of them fold laundry that are capable of doing so because that's, that's how we get our laundry folded. I read aloud, they fold laundry. And um, they love it. They actually ask if there's laundry. Is the laundry too full? Because they love to read aloud. Um, so I think that that will be something that they will remember me for. And I, I love that that's something that they will remember me for. So good. So good. All right. Final question. Uh, what would you tell that weary parent out there that is saying, how do you spend so much time with your kids? Don't you ever get tired of them? How... All of this sounds like a lot. How do I how do I begin that journey of making it not feel like a lot, maybe? Hmm. For me, I would say that you need some simple rhythms in your life not to feel like you're in a constant state of overwhelm. Um, you need to know what's coming next. Now, I am not a strict scheduler. We do not do the exact same thing at the exact same time of the day every single day. Um, that would drive me bonkers because I feel like we have too flexible of a thing going on. And and l little kids, like you said, the kids, you know, I mean, somebody throws up, somebody blows out their diaper, somebody has a meltdown, somebody spills all the cereal all over the floor. And if I were dead set on that 9.30 a.m. read aloud time, well, that would probably blow my piece out of the water because we didn't make our deadline. So I don't think that deadlines are the key. However, we have some simple rhythms like our more or less 7.30 a.m. family Bible time plus breakfast, and then we immediately do a cleanup time after that. Then we're going to get going on school. We're going to have some lunch. We're going to uh, have free time in the afternoon. We're going to be prepping dinner. We're going to do read alouds. We're going to um, have dinner together almost every single night. And which means you have to kind of keep the noise of extracurriculars to a minimum, especially when you have a bunch of kids going a bunch of different directions. Um, and then we're going to do our nightly cleanup. And we participate it to, in it together every day. So it may look different in its particulars every day, but your kids knowing what's coming is huge. Kids like stability. They like knowing what to expect. It's why the five-year-old says, how many errands do we have to run? Where are we going next? What time are we home? What's for lunch? And you're like, stop asking me questions. But they feel safe 
when they know that you, the parent, can give them the answer to all of these questions. So simple rhythms, nap times, your rhythms don't have to look like our rhythms. It can be completely different, but that's what works for us, and it keeps yeah. things from devolving into chaos. I would say establish simple rhythms. Yeah, I mean, our God is a God of order, and uh, that's the natural counterpart to, or the counter to chaos. And, it, you know, your order doesn't have to look exa exactly the same, but you need to find some kind of order um, to bring peace. And I think it takes there. some intentionality to sit down because I do get a lot of prescriptive questions. Okay, so I'm taking notes. You said 7.30, right? Did, did you mean 7.30? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. Your kids, I don't have a special needs child. I don't have a dyslexic child. I don't have a child who has insomnia. I don't, you know, like if you have some of those things in your life, you're probably going to need to sit down with your spouse and say, what are our priorities? Like what's going to work for us? But it does take some intentionality um, because if you are kind of freewheeling it through your day and you end the day constantly feeling like, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> you probably need to be intentional. Yeah, if you don't plan, you plan to fail that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, you guys. Well, this this book, Abby, has been such a blessing to us. Yes. You know, um, Selena's loved it. Yes. Where can folks find uh, your book? Where's the best place to get it? Just about anywhere that books are sold. Um, Christianbook.com has it for a great price if you buy it in bulk, especially by bulk. I mean enough to get yourself free shipping. I think $50 gets you free shipping. Um, Amazon has it. Barnes & Noble has it. Mardell has it. Um, Audible. Audible. You can get the Audible version read by yours truly. Yeah. With, with voices. With accents, accents and voices. <laughs> There's a couple. There's a couple. Yeah. So um, just, just about anywhere that's easy to get books, you'll, you can find it. Awesome. awesome. It's been such a blessing to me and to my life and uh, our walk with God. And we just can't thank you enough. Such a timely book, yeah. I think, in where we're at in culture and the world. And man, you just put God's word right at the center of it all. It's challenging. It's assuring. It's mm. uh, just clarifying. So thank you guys for yeah. teaming up, writing that, watching That's the kids, right. coordinating all the effort that goes into birthing a book. <laughs> it is a lot of work. <sighs> So, awesome. Anyways. Yep. And Mr. Mama, make sure you check it out. Fierce Parenting viewers, listeners, and uh, yeah, Halberstadt's, thank you so much for joining us, yes, making the thank time. thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs>